time is the last luxury. And ultimately, you know, if you aren't healthy, even if you live a long life and you're miserable, that's not a... Doesn't matter know, how pretty your house is. You got it. Welcome to the HTW Podcast, where your hosts, Erica Huss and Zoe Secudis, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled and sold, and now we're moving on. We stepped away from the juicer and into the sound studio to talk about this rapidly evolving world of wellness. We'll sit down with wellness experts and entrepreneurs for candid conversations and tales from the trenches, how they got their start, how they turned their ailments into ideas, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll bring you news, updates, and our unsolicited opinions on everything we discover in sickness and in wealth. Located at the intersection of wellness and business, H2W is your navigator on the bumpy highway to well. Hi. Hey. Hey. I like your coat. Thank you. <laughs> Where'd you get it? It's new. I found it. <laughs> I found it in a taxi. <laughs> this is possibly the greatest moment of all time. <laughs> we can talk about things that are dirty, things that you would never put on your skin, on your face, in your body, etc. And you are wearing a coat that you found in a taxi. Yeah, because okay. it's the sickest it's, coat I've it's ever seen. Stunning, it's by the way. Rad coat. Listen, it was in a yellow taxi. It was late at night. It was Somebody, cold. Obviously, I don't know what happened to them, but they left their coat in the taxi. <laughs> their the driver like, was like, I don't know. It wasn't a it wasn't an Uber, so there was really no way to trace the that's correct. passenger. So that's correct. I was like, Well, I guess I got myself a brand new coat. A coat for you. A coat for you. Except um, just for you. <laughs> except it was just for me. And it is the warmest coat that I now own. It's quite lovely. <sighs> Sorry, Erica. Yeah. Sorry. I borrow it sometimes. Thanks. Thanks. But you have a shearling coat. Look at your sheepskin, whatever that is. It's faux. Some kind of dead. Oh, it's fake, not dead. It's, it's a fake faux. dead animal. I love it. It's warm. It looks very warm. It is. It's actually a little too warm. I'm schwitzing a bit. <clears throat> it's a good thing I'm wearing my natural deodorant. Good thing. Speaking of au naturel. Speaking of au naturel. We cleansing some crap out of your system. Yeah. We just had a lovely conversation with um, Dr. Jeffrey Morrison, who wrote the book, Cleanse Your Body, Clear Your Mind. And he is an amazing New York City functional medicine doctor. Yes. We love. He's got the Morrison Center. He's amazing. He's such a wealth of knowledge. And he is, I just really appreciate his thought on this whole topic around environmental toxins. Um, because it's like one of those things that everybody should be aware of. And really, we're not talking about it because oftentimes you're kind of, you're being exposed to these things without even being completely, without noticing. Right. Involuntary. Uh, it's not It's not a good feeling when you when you feel like it's being forced upon you and you just don't even realize it. It's not a good feeling when you sit down and eat a tuna sandwich and all of a sudden, you know, you know some shit can go wrong. Good old innocent. I mean, is there a more innocent sandwich and childlike sandwich than a tuna fish sandwich? Possibly PB&J, which comes with its own set of toxins. Oh, issues. We're going to talk about that later. But yeah, so we sat down with Dr. Morrison and talked about heavy metals specifically. Um, there are quite a few, but the biggest ones are, you know, that we talk about lately lead and mercury and we really zoomed in on mercury because it's an issue that people do not address and they need right 
And everybody thinks that it's really just something to be aware of if you're a woman who is carrying a child or thinking about getting pregnant. But right. actually, it's a much bigger concern, as we learned from our special guest star in well, this we episode. we had a special guest join us. Leonard Steinberg, who is wonderful and fabulous and a friend and uh, the chief evangelist and licensed real estate broker at Compass, which is an excellent real estate company. Uh, they're crushing it. And he um, has had his own personal struggle and journey, his wellness journey, um, where he actually was a patient of Dr. Morrison's because he had mercury poisoning and did not know that he had it and came about it from a kind of a funny way. Kind of a funny way. Um, um, yeah, we talk about that. And so it's kind of a nice, it's a nice little round table we have here. We have the patient, we have the doctor. And then we have the two chicks in the corner just the, talking shit. <laughs> these two clowns over here <laughs> asking really rando questions. Yeah. No, but I think it's actually, it's it's a great, um, I think it's an important topic. And again, it's definitely not uh, as marginalized as people think it is. It's something that really, it affects a lot of people. And it's one of like mercury poisoning or mercury toxicity is scary in that you just, you often don't know if you have it. And Well, it's not just in your tuna, it's in your teeth. It's not just in your tuna, Zoe. It's in your teeth. In your teeth, too. <laughs> if you have cavity, then you probably have fillings. And if you have fillings, you're probably mercury. Yes, if you got let's them. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So let's let's let the let's let the gentleman lead the way and, and have this great conversation. Okay. So before we dive into this super fascinating conversation about heavy metals, a quick note from our friends at Bonafide Provisions. And it's super relevant to this conversation because we are talking about heavy metal toxicity in humans, but animals as well also are exposed to the same heavy metals on a regular basis. And if you are healthy, you can excrete the heavy metals through your elimination pathways like the gut and bowels, the liver, the kidneys, the lungs, etc. But unhealthy humans and unhealthy animals are not able to excrete the heavy metals and ultimately they get stored in their bones, which is super disturbing if you then think about drinking something like bone broth because basically those metals can be leached into the broth. So that is why, once again, we love our friends at Bonafide Provisions because they only work with certified organic grass-fed and pasture-raised farms to make sure that their bones are super clean and their broth is actually even tested for heavy metals and there is no trace. So just a tip, make sure that when you're buying store-bought bone broth or when you're making it yourself, that you are getting super clean bones from a certified organic grass-fed pasture-raised farm. And even the water used to make the broth is filtered from all of the metals. And once again, Bonafide is a great shortcut so you don't have to make it yourself. They are frozen. They are found in the frozen section nationwide. They are keto. They are paleo. They are Whole30. They are all the things that you want to hear, especially this time of year when you are trying to improve your overall health, do a little gut healing. They are a fantastic brand. We love them. And you can love them too. Listeners to the podcast get 20% off their first order when they use the code HTW at checkout. And that's at bonafideprovisions.com. So check them out. Now let's get to the episode. It's a nice little roundtable discussion we're going to have here about heavy metals. And toxins, favorite topic, favorite yes. top topic of Dr. Morrison's, and <clears throat> to sort of serve that subject up, we're going to dive into Leonard's story a little bit. 
um, and talk about how Dr. Morrison treated Leonard and how Leonard discovered that he had this issue. Basically, it's when Leonard met Jeffrey. That's what we're doing. Okay, the show is called... It's romantic. (laughs) When Leonard met Jeffrey. Maybe when Leonard discovered Jeffrey. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, so why don't we start with the subject of... Sure. Right? Yeah. Let's dive in. Let's just, let's just start with heavy metals. There are a few, right? There are a few heavy metals, and uh, they are in our environment. And if we don't know where they're coming from, sometimes they can creep up and cause problems. So it's a health issue. You know, people are becoming aware of toxins in the environment. They've been reading about, currently the big thing is plastics, but uh, heavy metals have been a problem for decades uh, fortunately, I would say actually they're becoming less of a problem because people are no longer using uh, amalgam fillings, those silver mercury fillings For in your their teeth. mouth. Yeah. As much as they used to. Think about the last time you went to the dentist and they offered you a silver filling. It's not being done anymore. How about the last time you went to the dentist and when they say, oh, you still have silver fillings? How about that time? Because, Erica, <laughs> do so, we need to talk later? <laughs> like, what age range? Oh, just for the record, um, I've never had a cavity. So I don't know what anyone's talking yeah, about. Yeah, we're going to go polish up your metal after <laughs> the show. That's annoying. It is you very could be, impressive. You could, be, you could be huge in horror movies. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's a good point. I could? Yeah. Oh, because I can scream and there was like, you won't, I won't blind anyone with right. that. Anyway, so when who has fillings in their uh, teeth still? I do. And uh, some you of do. them are metal are from when I was much younger. And that's my question already is like, I have these fillings and I know I probably should get them removed, but how big of a concern should this be at this point? Yeah. You know, at this point, we're not recommending people go out to their dentist and remove mercury fillings unless they are old and there's, they need to be replaced because it's a troublesome process. Or if a person is having chronic medical issues that are not being discovered or figured out through conventional testing. Mercury in the mouth is not good, just like it's not good in a landfill and it's not good any place. It's best underneath the ground, but it comes out because it's being put in people's mouth and also it's ending up in the waters systems because now it's being found in fish. Uh, the CDC keeps track of these things and uh, they see that uh, mercury levels in fish are quite high and the more fish we eat, then we tend to accumulate or at least get exposed to mercury. And so this is really where the controversy of this all centers around. Mercury is in and out of uh, newspaper headlines, and it really comes all around to this, the fact that some people do really well with detoxifying mercury that they're getting exposed to from the fish that they're eating or from whatever environmental exposure they might be getting. But some people don't, and that's really the types of situations where people come in with like the strange symptoms of brain fog, difficulty concentrating, low energy, tingling, anxiety, strange symptoms that are are basically not from anything else. And when we do blood tests, then we find sometimes high levels of mercury, which clues us or tips us off that there's a problem. So is the main source at this point, you're saying it's food, specifically fish, um, and or water or where like what is the what is the biggest factor in contributing to mercury in the system you know, unless there's a environment an industrial uh waste problem like there's been across the united states a couple of times i think flint michigan was mm-hmm. uh, one time that people have heard about then mostly the big source right now is from eating large fish which basically is uh 
you know, tuna fish, swordfish, chili and sea bass, any fish that's too big to fit on your plate whole is has been around swimming around the ocean it's too big eating on small fish and those small fish they basically they accumulate mercury when we eat those fish we're basically getting a significant exposure to mercury and again the environmental protection agency keeps track of how much mercury is being found in fish and they'll they post it on their website uh, and there's other uh, online resources for how much mercury is being found in fish one of which is a website called gotmercury.org. And that almost makes it sound positive, doesn't it? <laughs> like they're selling it. <laughs> your mercury mustache. Where's your mercury? <laughs> and if you go to that website, you can choose which fish you're eating, how much you eat per week, and then it can give you a general idea about how much mercury you might be getting exposed to. Just getting exposed to mercury does not mean that it's going to be a problem. It's usually a combination of a person getting exposed to too much mercury over a period of time. And then some other constellation of one or two other issues that allows the mercury to keep on accumulating. And then once it accumulates past a certain point, people will start getting symptoms. So you're saying that some people are okay, they're, they're able to detoxify this mercury better than others? Yeah. In fact, almost many, many people are eating lots of tuna fish sandwiches or they're eating fish sandwiches, which are usually large fish, and they're getting exposed, their body's processing it, and it leaves their body without sticking. But that uh, detoxification process requires a process in the body where the liver has to bind it, let it go out through the kidneys or through the stool. And if a person is under stress, that detoxification pathway gets shut down. Or if a person has some other issue that's distracting their detoxification process, like a nutritional deficiency, or having some other infection like Lyme disease, or getting exposed to mold in the environment, usually it's mercury and something else now. Whereas mm -hmm. when it was just fillings, we still saw a lot more people coming in with symptoms that was not related to anything else. So that's where the whole controversy is coming from. And Believe it or not, a lot of doctors that are listening to this podcast are going to be like, mercury, what? It's not an issue. <laughs> really? And it, when people get their blood tests and they're coming up with blood levels of mercury that are outside of the normal range, which 10 or below is currently what the... Is that a new, is that a new level? Is that yes. a new known number of acceptable? Wow. I am <laughs> so, impressed. You are with my knowledge? Oh my God. Let me why you again. Well, I know this because... Well, I'm actually guessing, right? Because they just adjusted the lead as well. I, and, oh my God. D don't even... Oh, I, oh, if we start talking about lead, I'm going to blow my head off. Listen, there are a lot lead. of... So just to zoom out for one second, there are a lot of heavy metals that are toxic, right? We are just like lead is one of them, mercury, arsenic. Yeah, but in New York City, yeah, it's, right. lead so it's lead is the big one. Lead is the big one. And um, mercury. Yep. But we're... Because they're such meaty subjects for this show, we are just going to focus on mercury. Unless you really pull my... I mean, listen, I can talk <laughs> about that too. I have, like, I'm a bit... Like, I did a... I, I had a, an, someone do environmental testing in my backyard. So I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> and I have, I have two kids. And I was like, okay, I want to know if the soil is full of lead. And I had someone come and they did a soil sample and it had unhealthy levels of lead. And the... The guy who tested it said, 
every every playground, all the soil in Brooklyn and New York, most of it is has unhealthy levels of lead, which is terrifying. So everyone, don't put, don't plant your tomatoes. If you live in New York, don't plant your edible, your garden in your backyard. Just put it in a pot by your organic soil. Anyway, but my point is, so lead has been on my radar just because I have kids. And you know, when they're very young, they test them. And so, you know, during this period of time, they actually like, it used to be one to five, right? And now it's one to 10. Is that the new scale? Well, it used to be if a person, a child had a blood lead level above 10, then it was actionable by chelation therapy. Mm -hmm. But now it's if a blood lead is above 50 or 45 actually is what it is. And so they've shifted the acceptable levels up, even though we know that a blood lead of like two is going to increase the risk for all-cause mortality, according to the American Heart Association. Mm -hmm. And then what is it with mercury? So that's what the controversy is. Mercury totally affects everybody differently. Okay. And this is the challenge with uh, today. We are... We are still seeing lots of patients coming in with strange symptoms, and we track it down to now they're getting eating too much fish. Surprisingly, it's not. There's no relationship with the blood or urine level of mercury and symptoms. We see people with really high blood lead mercury levels, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm totally fine." I'm like, you know, there is totally a relationship with increased risk for heart disease and kidney disease for a blood mercury above ten that we know that that's the case. There's plenty of studies by Environmental Protection Agency on that. And the environmental uh, EHP, the uh, environmental health something. But there's not a direct relationship with levels and symptoms. And so that's why I'm saying if a person's having symptoms and they have a high level of mercury mercury in their urine or blood, it's usually not just the mercury that's the problem. It's also something else now. So that brings me. So that's my question for you, Leonard. Did you have symptoms? Like, what was your what was your story? How did this all come to be for you? Well, I come from a long line of hypochondriacs. Okay, Perfect. oh my god, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wonderful. When we traveled, my dad used to actually travel with a trunk full of medicines and potions and <laughs> serums for, for very the illness rare you're snakes. definitely going to get. No, there were rare snakes that were going to attack us, oh, okay. and we were prepared Obviously. for everything. <laughs> In Connecticut. And- <laughs> definitely. So the one thing I remember was sitting on a sofa with a friend of mine up at, the, uh, at our weekend house, reading Suzanne Summers' book, which described her battle with cancer. What year was this? It's, I, I can't even remember. I'm so old. Um, this was <laughs> That's a, brain fog, I think. It was at least 15 years ago. Okay. That's okay. about as far as I can remember anyway. <laughs> and um, we were lo- reading this book about how she proactively addressed her illness, aside from all the obvious medications and treatments that are out there, to fully understand the source of the illness and how she had this very deep understanding as to environmental factors that involved, uh, you know, impacted her health. and. In the back of this book was um, a doctor by the name of Dr. Morrison. <laughs> I'm going to go see Dr. Morrison. Because I, have to I be must tested. have what she has. I am going to get sick. I can feel it. I feel it coming. I'm because going to see Dr. Morrison. Because you were Mar- just so deeply identifying with exactly. Suzanne Summers. <laughs> You're the thigh master. Well, it actually You're- had about, this is about, um, ooh, it's about 12 years ago. It, I attached a bit of a um, scare with uh, melanoma. So I'd found a melanoma on my um, uh, chest and I thought, for sure, I'm going to die of melanoma or some horrible cancer, so I better be proactive. And I went to uh, 
Dr. Morrison who uh, gave me a battery of tests. And but at that point, you didn't actually have symptoms, right? I didn't think of you the symptoms. Think, okay. I did mention that I had fatigue mm-hmm. and low energy, and I also had a little bit of a twitch in my eye. So I was beginning to look like Chief Inspector Dreyfus in the Pink Panther movies. <laughs> a little bit of a flutter. You thought maybe it was just distinguished. Exactly. That's how exactly. it happens. All I needed was a pipe. Yes. And a, and and a like dog. A top hat. But I, um, <laughs> when the test results came back... It so the grew- first thing you did was your your... First blood workup was testing for mercury. You tested me for everything. You did blood tests, but included heavy metals, which no one had ever tested me before. Right. And I think there was a urinalysis, I think, that a lot of doctors don't do. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. And that was kind of a painful procedure and involved an ugly red bucket, I remember. Orange. Yes. There was all kinds of collections going on. (laughs) But um, collections usually produce results. And... um, it showed a very high level of mercury. I think my reading was somewhere around 27 or 28 even. In the blood. Yeah. Were you, were you Dr. Morrison, were you shocked when you saw this or was this? That is actually pretty high. It, above, anything above 10 is pretty darn high. Okay. So he was probably eating something. Well, I had a combination of everything. As a child, I probably gnawed on the lead paint in my parents' house. I remember distinctly playing with um, thermometers and breaking them up to get the mercury out to play with those little balls. Oh, that I totally did So that. much fun. So yes. fun. Best game for children ever. Ever. I am a sugarholic, so my mouth is full of fillings. Okay. Unlike yeah, a lot yours. Of cavities. Tons of cavities, <clears throat> all amalgam fillings, old ones. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Combined with that, I used to eat tuna, swordfish, and um, oh I mean, like, everything you shouldn't <laughs> the eat at least three or four times. Right. Yeah, so you were okay. checking all the boxes. Everything. everything. Yeah. I was good I job. Was, I was good destined work, for you doom. Hypochondriac. That's yes. really that's for a hypochondriac to be that unhealthy is pretty remarkable. Yes. That's quite an achievement. And then I um, then we started to treat it with uh, chelation therapy. But remarkably, at the end of the chelation therapy. My twitch was gone. I did have high energy levels. I actually had all my amalgam fillings removed. You did. Through, you'd re- recommend me to your dentist who did organic removal because yep. it's very specialized. Right? Yeah, so you have to wear like a hazmat suit when you remove. I mean, it's a big deal, oh, I went right? For, I always love the outfit. So I've, I haven't participated <laughs> in any sport for longer than a day, but I've had every single uniform for them. <laughs> and for this, it was the perfect, perfect match. So can we talk about, Julian, the the... The therapy. What what was the actual treatment? Like, what is the protocol? Chelation. Chelation therapy. I mean, sorry. Uh, so she's from Pennsylvania. Sorry, I'm from PA. <laughs> That's how you speak when you don't have any fillings. We, uh, <laughs> so can we talk about chelation therapy and the actual protocol for? Yeah. For, so chelation therapy is just a treatment for binding heavy metals in the tissue. So a blood test just shows acute or recent exposure. So if somebody has been eating tuna fish or swordfish recently. It's going to be in the blood, maybe for about up to three months. So if a person has a high blood mercury level for a long period of time, we're wondering whether it's accumulating in the body. And the way to figure out if it's accumulating in the tissue is by doing a chelation challenge test, which actively binds the metals in the tissue. And what is that test? Are there needles involved? Is there? So there's two ways to do it. Okay, I need to know this. There is an oral chelation challenge test where people take a binding agent called DMSA. And then there's an intravenous challenge test. For mercury, it's with a binding agent called DMPS intravenously. And for lead, it's calcium EDTA. And these are kind of off 
off-label uses because in conventional medicine, there it's very difficult to get a true diagnosis of mercury or lead toxicity. As you've seen, all the reference ranges are going up based on what the CDC and EPA are saying. So what we are dealing with is people that are kind of in the gray zone. They're not totally mercury or lead toxic based on OSHA guidelines, occupational guidelines, and they are not normal. So we have to kind of take it and look at it all together and then clinically make decisions based on symptoms and tests. So, so, so you were not in actual toxic state, but you were in pretty bad shape. Cause... Oh, I definitely want to believe that I was in the toxic state right. because there is no better state. Um, <laughs> no, I, I really didn't feel acute symptoms, but I did notice there was fatigue for sure mm-hmm. and lack of energy. And the twitch was consistent. And I believe that is a symptom that can be associated with um, heavy metal. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, that's why we also checked all the other boxes as well. So that's why we checked for mineral imbalances, like low magnesium can call, cause muscle twitches, making sure that there's no specific new stresses because we everybody knows that eye twitches are associated with stress and other things too. But definitely mercury is on the list and it's all because of how it interferes with proper mineral balance. Well, it's very interesting because um, during my chelation therapy, which lasted for several months, yeah, I, was gonna ask. I okay. would, um, one day after therapy, I went for a dinner party and I sat next to a gentleman who wrote a uh, book about the tuna fish. He was a marine biologist and he's a world-class authority on fish. And he had told me that his hardcover book had come out, but now that he was going to softcover, he actually had to rewrite portions of the book to explain how tuna is becoming so toxic. It was very interesting. <sighs> toxic tuna, chapter toxic two. Toxic tuna, yeah. <laughs> so, had, so, Dr. Morrison, had Leonard not, had he gone unchecked, what do you think would have come of this gentleman? I wouldn't be here today. You would not be here today. Behind that mic. You know, it's a great question because the, I get, I just have to phrase this in conventional medicine does not really have a place for this type of diagnosis and treatment. There's literally nothing. Right. This is the biggest problem. On the radio. Right? I mean, you're impossible. So, you're so lucky that you and Diane Summers, Suzanne, Suzanne, Suzanne Summers, Diane, <laughs> the brain fog again. Wait, damn. We're going to talk to me some, after this. You need some fillings. That you, that you and Suzanne Summers both went to a functional medicine doctor because like conventional medicine is the whole point, right? So if you go to your traditional... They might assume you have Lyme disease. Well, is that correct? Doctor, yeah, they're not They're not going to do... This is just not going to be the first step of blood work. Well, to put it bluntly, I've actually been to several doctors, as you can well imagine. And one of them specifically raised my eyebrow when he specifically said, you know, we, we're going to treat something when something goes wrong. Ugh. And I was thinking, wow... <laughs> That we is really so perfect, but it's it's like driving a car. You know, there's a moment in your life when you're a student and you're driving that car, and you think everything's fine. And if I turn up the radio, I won't hear that sound right. that I'm hearing grow louder and louder. And then when the car stops and you're on the highway, that's when you go and figure out what's wrong with the car. And that to me is terrible. So I've really always believed with pretty much everything to be a little bit more proactive. And why, of all things in life, would you be least proactive about your health? Yeah, that's cuckoo. Yes. Well, uh, just to def- defend conventional medicine, it's mostly focused on real. The, it's best at treating acute conditions like emergencies in the emergency room and doing surgeries 
And then, yeah, there's a reason sometimes we need to use prescription medications when something acutely goes wrong. But there's really no uh, thought process around being preventative in this type of way. Preventive medicine, conventional medicine is mostly focused around just some diagnostic tests like colonoscopies and pap smears, which are all very important. But when it comes to this type of thing about how the body functions, function, this is where functional medicine comes in, how helping to make sure that the body's functioning at its optimal level, and it should be able to if the body has all of its resources, like all the vitamins and minerals are where they're supposed to be. And there's nothing blocking proper function like a toxin or infection or mold issues. But to, so to Zoe's point, what, what would have been, what was like the worst case scenario had well, Leonard not sought your treatment? Like the, the, what we definitely know, high mercury levels will increase the risk for heart disease and kidney disease, like literally kidney failure. Uh, and then it is a neurodegenerative metal. So it's going to increase the risk for dementia, Alzheimer's. And it has been associated with uh, other neurodegenerative conditions like MS and ALS and Parkinson's disease. So it's not good. It's not not taken lightly is the point. Right. And I feel like the only time, at least for me, I ever hear about it or one hears about it uh, is if you're pregnant, right? right? So it's a big deal. I mean, twice it's come up, two pregnancies. And I've been like, okay, don't eat tuna. And that's kind of it. But I mean, the the sort of, the risk to, you know, the whatever's going on in utero is so much greater, well, right? And the so, recommendation is actually only once a week tuna fish that's right. for pregnant women right. versus everybody else could do it no more than once a day. But that's, if a person has a high blood mercury level, that's crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then remember the sushi revolution that started, what, 20 years yes. ago, encouraged people to, you know, people said, I eat sushi every My day. My mom oh, ate right. sushi it's every day when she was pregnant with me. There you go. And then, and they, you know, and if you're welcome. It. So <laughs> what, happens to a, what happens to a fetus if the mother has really high levels of mercury? Well, you know, there's a, this, this gets into a lot of uh, good questions. I mean, people know that we are seeing much more incidence of children with uh, autoimmune allergy and autism situations. And it's, this is a new situation. The, the, uh, the amount of children with being born with autism or diagnosed with autism have, has skyrocketed. And it's almost like one in 50 from one in 10,000 or 100,000. It's just crazy numbers. Right. But and I yet it's a very controversial topic, right? There's so much um, kind of, I won't say propaganda, but there is a conversation on the other side that says it has nothing to do with anything dietary. It has nothing to do with anything in utero. And Well, nobody knows. And we're all still trying. We all really are trying to work together to figure this out. And I, I wouldn't say that it's just a mercury issue. There's definitely other potential factors that are probably coming together in a perfect storm for these young children's brains, which causes the inflammation that causes this scrambling of the way that the brain is functioning. I think a lot of the controversy around heavy metals actually was the publicity around, I think it was Jeremy Piven, you remember, who had claimed he He had uh, mercury poisoning and wanted to get out of a contract or something like that. He was kicked out of a show or something. Yes, yes. So I think um, heavy metals has gotten probably bad press and I don't think people understand it really. No, it's not. Listen, like there is no explanation, right? It's just like, for for a pregnant woman to be told just don't eat tuna you know it's mercury avoid mercury consequences could be horrible for you like but when your child. baby is born and but your you baby is healthy who cares about but you right like, <laughs> but then it's like it. no one tested me while i was pregnant 
for mercury. No one tested me after, before, during. I mean, I don't know. Shouldn't there be something? Well, shouldn't something we go do. on there? I mean, I, but I, you have to be proactive about it. But my point. OB, yeah. it never. It was never. My obstetrician never said like, "Hey, why don't we just why don't we check on just that? Establish and make sure. a baseline." Yeah, I mean. Shouldn't that be part of a... Well, my shrink always said, if you want to come up with a really good solution in life, you better take really good inventory, <laughs> thorough inventory. And I grew up in a you know a family where we, my dad was in business and the whole dinner table was around discussing what happened in the business. And twice a year, there was inventory and every single corner of that business was counted. We don't do that with our bodies. Right. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. It's a great point. And... and- yeah, but again, I do think that people are coming around to this recognition about, I love that, uh, that analogy is the inventory on the body. Uh, we should know how our body's functioning. You know, some people are really uh, tuned in and they just, they're like, they know when their eyes twitching and they know yeah, when they're I like not feeling. I like to say tuned in instead of hypochondriac. I like that better. <laughs> I prefer Next time someone calls I'm me a hypochondriac, I am super tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> Dialed. So, but not everybody is, and people are distracted by so many other things today. So that's where it's good to come in and get a dashboard or go to your doctor to get a dashboard on what's going on with your health. And then you can actually make real good decisions based on data and numbers right. rather than guessing. Establish some sort of baseline, right? Again, to your point, which just doesn't happen. Right. And that's kind of what we sit in this room and preach all the time is you have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own best kind of auditor and understand to your, you know, like what Leonard was experiencing, every little twitch, every little thing. And it's not to say you have to take it all at the same level of of severity, but things that recur and things that definitely feel out of the realm of what you're used to in your system, you have to just pay attention. And Well, I think we also in a big uh, shift in the world in how in pretty much all parts of industry today, getting much deeper into data is the path forward to making really smart and educated decisions and choices. And when it comes to our bodies, we should be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at what's happened on Wall Street, the data has gotten much deeper. But if you look at all industries, my industry, real estate, it used to be, let's go look at pretty houses. Now you look at a whole different set of data to become more educated on the topic and really be proactive about understanding all the parameters around what you're evaluating to be able to make smart decisions. Right. I think that's a really good example, actually. I mean, obviously we know, you know, you know real estate, but I think you're seeing kind of a sea change in that area where they're now building out entire wellness communities, right? Cities are being Mm -hmm. planned with wellness being at the forefront of it. But I mean, what are you seeing in terms of like, they're testing air quality, they're testing water, they're testing everything in these construction zones before you're even creating... By they, you mean who's the they? Who's who's testing? Well, developers are developers, really yeah. becoming much more aware that the wealthiest people. I think it always starts from a wealth perspective. The predominance of people who have the luxury to be able to get into this are generally wealthier for the most part. I think because it's expensive to get into, you know, the luxuries of time spent on figuring out your health. Although I think that should Which be something. Sad. It's, it's sad. A That's sad. sad. State of affairs. But it's like you remember. Uh, 50 years ago, if you had electric windows on your car, it was fabulous. Today, of course, you have electric windows on your car. It waters itself down. So we have started seeing in the very wealthy demographic around the globe a tremendous growth of interest in longevity and good health. And the understanding these titans of industry have about health now is akin almost to the industries that they're in. 
where they really want to understand their health and understand what they can and can't do to live a better life, better quality of life and a longer life. And people are starting companies in their 60s and 70s, which in the past never happened. And I think it has very much to do with the, you know, better understanding that time is the last luxury. And ultimately, you know, if you aren't healthy, even if you live a long life and you're miserable, that's not a... Doesn't matter how pretty your house is. You got it. (laughs) So for me, um, what I'm seeing in real estate, for instance, um, the building I'm living in, which was uh, the development started over 10 years ago, is a site in Greenwich Village, very close to a very busy highway. We have filtered fresh air in the building. That became a commercially valuable selling tool to a lot of people for a lot of good reasons. Mm -hmm. Because if you test the air quality next to a busy road compared to one that's in a leafy suburb, it's very, very different. So having filtered fresh air throughout an entire building has value. Having filtered water, I mean, you could probably speak to what's in water. A lot of the water we shower with (laughs) is not great. And I think um, there are actually some developers now who are specifically focused on the quality of light, the quality of air, the quality of water, the types of paint that are being used. Construction now and development is shifting towards a better understanding of longevity, not just because it's cute and because you can get a public relations story out of it, but it sells. There's a commercial value to it. And it's just like solar and wind. The minute there's a commercial upside, people get, industry starts to get really interested. Well, and I would also echo Leonard, what you're saying, I do already see that trickling down. We have patients uh, coming to our office of all walks of life. Certainly, it might be initially people that are looking to uh, leverage their health as a commodity for themselves because everybody knows if you feel you know, health and happiness is the two best things. But all walks of life, uh, we have patients that are coming in that are working in modern transit, uh, metropolitan transit, MTA, and people that are like literally garbage collectors, but they also have heard and they've read and they are well-educated and they listen on the radio to these types of podcasts. Thanks, Suzanne and, Summers. And they, <laughs> they know their knowledge is I'd prefer to invest in myself than mm-hmm. invest in, you know, another handbag or, you know, some other, something else to put those resources. So truly what is the best investment is basically into our own health so that we can do the things that we want to do at, at the must, at the best level that we can. Well, and on that note, I mean, I think it, that's all incredibly meaningful and, and I really appreciate that point of view and the perspective. Um, and it's great to see that you're seeing it. But if we boil it down a little bit more to the people who are not necessarily in a position to look for real estate with wellness in mind or look for real estate at all for that matter, or who are able to come to your practice in New York City to even be proactive uh, for you to give them recommendations, whether regardless of what kind of state they're coming in. What do you say to people who are listening who don't have access to these things or resource for these types of, I mean, for better lack of a better word, it's luxuries, but that can still be proactive in their own way? Well, Erica, I would echo what you say, which is that people do need to do their self-education and listening to bod- podcasts like this is which a great are free, <laughs> which is <laughs> right. a free. Totally free. Good point. Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great way for people to start taking notes and then learn about ways that they could either read up on the things that either the symptoms that they're having ways to what tests that they would like their doctor to do. Mm-hmm. It's not out of the question to go to your physician and just say, 
could you please do this test or to check a blood mercury level or blood lead level so that we can make actual decisions? And it might be that the patient may have to be their best advocate for themselves. So they will be able to be proactive about avoiding sources of exposure because that's always the first step. And then there are natural ways to help. It just takes longer, but there are natural ways for the detoxification process of heavy metals to occur, like doing saunas, which you know basically is just a daily routine. Sweating, right? Sweating does mm. remove heavy metals. It needs to be consistent, no, not more than twenty minutes for sure, but just eight minutes of sweating a day over about a year. We've seen remove heavy metals. Eight minutes of sweating per day in a sauna, a dry. Okay, sauna. but that's. Huge. Like That's, an infrared sauna or just any sauna? And either one works. Right. Whether it's infrared or Swedish, it just is the sweat. That's you're incredible. Gonna sweat That's either. incredible information. Infrared is obviously more intense and you're going to get a But deeper, not as hot, right? Talks. The infrared is infrared a low is, temperature. It feels yeah. less hot. What about um, if you do, like people are talking about a lot, um, baths, right? Soaking and you soak in salts with magnesium, which is supposed to draw out all the toxins. Is that real? Well, is that the, bullshit? The good side of that is the sweating part, but the bad side is exactly what Leonard brought up earlier, which is we don't, like we know that the water in New York City is What's not necessarily so yeah. clean. Yeah. The toxin that I'm most concerned about is chlorine, which is added to the water. Oh my God, my water in my house, I can smell the yes. chlorine in it. Yep. And the water and is called... actually being exposed over your entire body, which uh, is your biggest organ of all. Can we yep. talk about the chlorine for a minute? Sure. I'm trying to it's... not scare people. I'm trying to Sorry. unscare people. We're going no. down. I need, you need to unscare me right now because <laughs> okay. the, you know, as I like, you know, Look, I don't take baths and here's why. Because my water smells like chlorine but i have to give my kids baths and i'm like oh my god what is this chlorine doing i'm calling child welfare on listen you. i know well and then okay so i actually called 311 and they did not have any and they were like it's you again <laughs> listen, it's the lead lady i called 311 for everything i like they're such an overlooked resource by the way um, oh my but, god but can we just spend like two two minutes on chlorine because the water the water in New York, at least, is definitely everywhere. Everywhere, the, the chlorine level is insane. I know it's a it's a problem. So chlorine easily is filtered out of water. By the way, if you use a charcoal filter, it, chlorine will be taken out. So it's good if you just use a Brita or Pure Advantage or Zero Water. All of those will remove chlorine you can, get a, for sure. you can also get one on your shower head. You can get a filter, and you can get one on the shower head. It's, yeah. Of course, it's much smaller, so yeah. you just have to change them regularly. But so if there is chlorine in your water, that you know, you've been to pools and you've seen people check the chlorine levels. If it's under a certain level, it's not going to cause a big problem. The right. biggest problem is actually upper respiratory because of breathing in the chlorine fumes. And then there might be some absorption, but our body is pretty good at trying to not absorb things from okay. the environment. So this right. is debunked. So I'm not going to... Because s- I like a bath and I'm not going to stop with the bath. <laughs> Erica's just like, don't take it away <laughs> from me. If you are bath. using salts to increase your pore size so that you can try to sweat out things, you can also You're absorb awesome. things more easily. two-way street, people. Yeah. Two-way way street. By the way, in New York City, one of the biggest luxuries you can have in a townhouse is a private swimming pool. <laughs> And I will warn you, I have been into some of these houses that have the chlorinated um, pools because the alternative is to a salt I have a salt water pool. That's better, right? The best. Like much better. Not in New York City, by the way. No, in The odors I have smelled in homes from the chlorine is astounding. Some of it was disgusting to me. It's so horrible. It's almost like when you have a bad cat. 
and you get used to the smell. And then people come and go like, what's that smell? Like, and you're I like, don't smell what smell? A bad cat. Erica, your cats do not. You don't have a bad cat. Neither do you, Leonard. So we're all good. We got good cats, good bats. My cat's debatable. So, <laughs> so just going back for a moment, because I think, you know, the question Erica was saying was, you know, what can people who don't have all these luxuries, I and mean, we're talking about pools in the backyard of our townhouses in Brooklyn, you know, it's a little, that is the ultimate luxury, right? But, you know, the question is, what can people do that don't have access? Um, and the answer was, you have to educate yourself and you have to figure out where this knowledge is and understand it and then be proactive. But I think culturally there is an issue in the with doctors, right? So with traditional doctors, I think there is this typical relationship where they are God and we listen and mm-hmm. we don't question. Well, I and would so, I would say that they just don't have as much time as they used to. And so they right. just have like five True. to ten, not even mm-hmm. ten minutes. Like for I have deep respect and empathy for doctors that are on like in those clinics and they're doing primary care and they just don't have time. It's really oh, challenging. Yeah. Like, um, I, you know, I'm not taking anything away from um, the fact that they are no, talented I think your and they are that- definitely, they are certainly overworked. I think that we need to, as a culture, as patients, become we need more empowered more and we need to sort of let the fear go that our doctor is going to be mad at us or upset with yeah, the fact true. that we're ask, asking for certain things, right? Even myself with my own, um, in my own experience, um, specifically being pregnant, you know, you're so like hyper aware of everything and your hypochondriac nature is in like overdrive. So I often found myself just like constantly pushing and asking and like demanding certain I mean I'm, I'm like we need to test my thyroid again like every what? month you know my doctor was just like just calm down it's gonna fluctuate I'm like you know what this is gonna give me peace of mind like I want to know I want to see my blood work and and it took a lot for me to to sort of constantly ask and and push that relationship with my doctor who at the end of the day I don't want him you know I don't want him to feel like I'm questioning his 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 experience or knowledge or authority but you know there is there is a balance there i think there has to be a more a, a more relaxed conversation well, and Zoe, to your point i mean it really is a relationship it is That's a relationship a critical yes. word and so if yeah. patients recognize that they have just as much power in this relationship as the doctor does yes. of course we need the doctor to help with interpretation and make sort of bring things back down and ground it because there's so much information out there on the internet or people are having conversations and it can be taken out of context hopefully the physician is helping to put things into context for the individual right, there's a google i mean it's just well, from google. one susie to another from suzanne summers to susie orman <laughs> and i think some of her oh, advice as it provides full circle but her advice is i think very meaningful in that she says if you want to become responsible about your finances get educated mm-hmm. educate yourself and today there's no excuse for saying well i can't afford that 30 dollar book because you can actually get online for free and read a ton of really great information. Mm-hmm. And that time that you're spending on Instagram or Facebook may be better spent investing and in getting educated about something that has real value to you. Right. And I have found that um, the more I've read and learned about the subject, the more confused I am. But at the same time, by the end of the day, I really have a much greater knowledge about a whole host of moving parts. And then when you sit down with your doctor, you can have a discussion. Whereas I think when you go to your doctor, you may feel 
intimidated to debate certain things. But I think when you come in very educated, you can yeah. have a discussion. No, and I think I definitely do my fair share of research before I have these conversations, which I think oftentimes annoys my doctor even more. Because they then they're hate like, Dr. Google. Exactly. <laughs> because then you come in and you're like, oh, well, I... I learned this and I, you know, and now I understand this and you have a context and, and then it's just like, okay, well, um, and I where think, did you get your degree? You know, so right. it gets to be a little bit, I, I get how it's frustrating for them, but it's, you know, it's both sides. Asking the right questions, I think is very different to dictating. So I think I've, you know, with, with a doctor as well, I think it can be annoying to be questioned. I would imagine it's extremely annoying to be questioned. I mean, I Dr. Hate Marzo, being questioned. how frustrating is it when people come in and say, no, they X, Y, everybody. I don't have a patient that doesn't come in and like challenge me on something. Be, and I great. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in fact, it actually shows me that they are heavily invested in their own right. health. And then it get, makes me even a better doctor because then I'm like, hmm, I didn't think about it like that. So let's, let's look into it. I don't know everything, but I have also had the good chance, good fortune to be around for a, a relatively long period of time. So I have a little bit more context again to what persons people should expect and how they're out, what kind of outcomes to expect and what paths to follow. Right. And so even if somebody is not uh, going to a functional and integrative practice and they're going to a conventional office because that's what they have access to, that's their available, they're still, they should still feel empowered to challenge and ask questions and do their research. And like you were saying earlier, these tests do exist and they're available to everybody. It's just that traditionally speaking, the you know the the Western MDs are not conducting these tests, but it doesn't mean that somebody can't actually ask and say, Correct. like, can you please run this full battery for me? Yes. And health insurance, I think, imposes certain <laughs> restrictions on certain tests. Mm -hmm. Certain that is true. tests are for not sure. covered by health insurance. And I think that's very limiting when you spend a thousand dollars a month on health insurance. You do you want to spend more? So that can be a problem as well. Yeah, but for blood, if we're just specifically talking about blood, lead, and blood mercury, health insurance will cover those right. tests, especially if the correct diagnostic code is applied, like fatigue and memory changes or things right. like that. So again, I mean, tactically speaking, you started by saying, you know, uh, like sweating for eight minutes a day, for example, is a good way to kind of naturally treat this, uh, even if it's, you know, it would be much quicker and expedited through chelation process. Are there other things, practices that you can do or foods that you can consume that either help kind of the detox process or maybe preventatively speaking, are there things that people... So in a nutshell, yeah. like the first goal, avoid exposure. So if we find mercury or lead, figure out where the source is, prevent more exposure. Number two, we want to try to get it out of the body. So the first thing is we got to make sure all the nu nutrients are okay. So even if a person take, took a multivitamin, just to make sure their B vitamins and the B vitamins basically are the most important ones. Okay. And if they're adequate, they're good. So then it, the goal is to upregulate how the body gets rid of these heavy metals. So this is the detoxification part. And this is the controversial part because you know, there's no such thing as detoxification in modern conventional medicine, aside from detoxifying from prescription medications or narcotics, things like that. So what we're talking about is doing things to help the body remove the bad stuff. And so when it comes to mercury and lead, the skin, as Leonard said, was the biggest organ for detoxification and sweating for just eight minutes a day has been studied and has been proven to remove heavy metals. And we've seen it actually on blood tests and uh, repeat provoked heavy metal tests over the course of a year. So sweating 
for eight minutes a day. And then just the only thing to remember is when you're doing sweating, yet not only are you sweating out heavy metals, but you're also sweating out minerals. So it's important to replenish minerals like from a multi-mineral supplement. And then the next thing is doing things to bind in the digestive tract. So there is some data that suggests that chlorella, chlorella, specifically chlorella pyrimidosa, Mm -hmm. tends to bind heavy metals in the digestive tract. Uh, There's a ton of products on the What about charcoal, activated charcoal? Probably does not bind heavy metals. It binds other things like mold toxins and and probably volatile organic compounds. And obviously it's great for getting rid of a hangover, but... (laughs) Uh, Sorry, let's go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) What about egg yolks and cilantro? So, so what's this now? (laughs) So, it's a good question. He's like he's been doing it so much. Someone just pulled something out of his hat. I feel like we're in the office right now. Mm -hmm. He's getting challenged by (laughs) another detox strategy. Tell me more, because I'm a cilantro hater. So, oh, there you go. No, so this is natural binding agents that get absorbed into the body and then help facilitate the body's ability to sort of chaperone the heavy metals through the bloodstream so it gets it out of the body properly. So cilantro is a, has a lot of sulfur in it. And sulfur is the amino acid that tends to mercury likes. That's part of the good thing and the bad thing. It binds onto sulfhydryl groups in the brain and in any place where there's So bad. that's egg yolks as well then. And then the egg yolks, not only is that it's actually partly sulfur, but it's also uh, choline, which basically helps to improve uh, the process of mo- removing it out of the liver into the. So basically, bar. I need to avoid any level of mercury because I'm faced with either cilantro or IV needles, and I actually can't tell you which I would choose. A cilantro, <laughs> You're a screwed. A cilantro omelet injection for you. <laughs> <laughs> They do cilantro. Wait, that's so interesting. So, so the cilantro is like the magnet, and then the egg is the is the drives it out. Yeah, it's like a sleigh. Wow. Since we're in the winter, where do you come out with the um, some of the brands of canned fish that are marketing um, low mercury levels? I mean, are those legit? How do we even know? Like the Safe Catch, I think, is one of the brands. There are a handful of brands out there that are saying they have the lowest mercury available. Oh, oh, canned tuna, canned tuna, and canned salmon. Yeah. Well, one of their tricks. I don't want to say tricks. One of their choices is to pick the part of the tuna that has the lowest mercury anyway. So we know that mercury likes to go where the fat is. That's why Toro tuna is the highest in mercury. And it's also the most delicious. I know that's the frustrating part. And that also means that the tuna is also the least tasty because it's the driest. So So white chunk but is that the case? Do we, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying you're speaking specifically about these brands and I'm not knocking these brands because I personally buy them at they the moment. They may be advertisers to be careful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they, no, I think that they're sponsored by. amazing brands. And sponsored by well, low mercury chunk light tuna but, opportunity. <laughs> but some of the, I mean, our, so we just, we, we, everybody needs to do their homework on, on canned fish brands in general. But I think some of the literature will say like, these are, sourced in is it possible to source from mercury light waters or is that all just the marketing because no, they're eating the fish maybe a, i mean I, that's where a good are question. fish coming from okay all right i mean no, probably they're picking smaller tuna okay. versus the bigger guys okay but, but that's so interesting that they're using specific parts of the tuna yep yeah what is your understanding of 
you know, how you see these horror pictures of fish being caught and cut open and all of a sudden like all your, the plastic cups you threw away last week are sitting inside the stomach of the fish. How does that impact the quality of fish we're eating? Terrible. It's a, ter- this is, this is what I think we should be talking about next time. Okay. Because it is yeah. such a big problem. Yeah. We're talking about just fish in general. No, well, it's, but see what the issue is not only the plastics that you see, it's also the microplastics that we don't see, which right. basically are now getting, we recognize are small enough that will be absorbed into our bodies when we are consuming some food that has consumed it. So right. we're all going down. No, <sighs> you may as well eat the Toro. <laughs> I'm getting my amalgam fillings put back in. Yeah, I know. Done. Well, because then they're replaced with uh, composite, which is basically plastic. <laughs> I know. Oh, is right. that right? That's what they're replacing the fillings with? Composite is a heated plastic. Now, I'm not sure where it stands on the recyclable list. But, oh, boy. You know, oh, some, wait a minute. So people who have like bonding, composite bonding for their pretty teeth, right? Yeah. That's composite. Some plastics about, are better than others. Let's right. put it that way. What about, we're going to do a whole other show on lead and plastics, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. But what about, okay, no, never mind. It's a different show. <laughs> different show. Hold your comments on it. Oh, dear God. <laughs> well. Because then okay. we can talk about beauty products. Yes. Oh, don't even get me started. The stuff you put listen, on, the stuff you put Here's what we in. have on the list. Glyphosate, clean beauty, right? You want to talk about glyphosate? Oh. Can we just do a whole show about I mean, we then we're talking about flame every food. Well, it's basically you know Roundup, yes, Roundup oats, Ready, Robert. wheat, mm-hmm. oats. Yeah. So I was, you know, just from a, a real estate perspective, a lot of people ask me how can I make the house healthier, mm-hmm. yeah, and the three question. things that I've learned that really can make a big difference is number one to take your shoes off before you go in the house, mm-hmm. number two to get rid of all the chemical cleaning products in the house. And then number three is to only bring organic food into your house. So if you do those three things in itself, you're probably detoxing your home pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. And I'm just going to add, Mold. since we did mention a little bit about plastics, is we are really trying to push away from single-use plastics. So the, right now, the ban has gone in for uh, straws, straws. and styrofoam yes. containers, which is huge. But also think about like all of these plastic water cups that people just... Mm-hmm. N- like um, we have gotten so accustomed to just grabbing going and then we never think about where it ends up but oh my god i just want to just put it what out about there, please the, i know the um deliveries from internet purchases oh and the god. packaging that to me is outrageous grubhub i know that's yeah seamless the takeout the containers delivery, yeah it's just because there's no plastics do don't that? disintegrate they just persist plastics persist that's the big problem they have no place. They go into the landfills. They basically want millions of tons of plastics that end up water, washing into the streams and then waterways and then into the oceans. And then so, so it's mercury and plastic. Is some of this in your book, Cleanse Your Body, Clear Your Mind? It is. The 10-day solution to reverse allergies, <laughs> fatigue, stomach aches, headaches, eczema, asthma, joint stiffness, and mood swings by Dr. Jeffrey Morrison. Because all that that book is about is just how to make better choices. So you're right. This is not this is not a doomsday talk. This is a, no. an empowering talk. And everybody here knows that if we make right choices, we are going to feel better. We're going to look better. We're going to be in a better mood. But and you don't have to make all of the right choices. You just have to make a couple at a time. I mean, you. I think that's what this boils down to is nobody is going to do all of this perfectly and nobody should feel badly for 
not doing a hundred things. And but it's if a you process. do taking out all the fun. <laughs> no, I give myself I give myself a toxic allowance. <laughs> I right. do. I know it's unavoidable. So you know what? I pick and choose. I pick and choose my battles. I try and right. do like all the clean beauty products. I no roundup. Can. Yes, vodka. Right. Yes, tequila. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no conventional coffee. Right. Um, you know, so it's a, it's, you have to pick and choose. You do have to pick and choose. And this has been fascinating. And I can't believe we've already taken up all of our time. We have a lot more to talk about. I know, we really do. Really, you can go deep on all of this stuff. But we really appreciate both of you being here. I just want to keep on talking to Leonard. Just to hear you talk. <laughs> Hypochondriacs nonstop. I would just like you to come back and read the entire Suzanne Summers book oh, to everybody. Maybe. <laughs> I, could, I actually do that while doing the Thigh Master. <laughs> I have the most extraordinary thighs on the planet. <laughs> maybe we'll take a photo. Mercury free it. thighs. Mercury free thighs. Yes. I think that's the next. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. there's no fat on your thighs. Zero. Exactly. <laughs> that's why there's no mercury. Perfect. Um, well, okay. thank you. Thanks, you guys, both so much. Dr. It was Morrison. really a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thanks for Thank her. you. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.